This week on the Push Pull Lace podcast, we chat Chris Froome's diet, France, and points of contact. Three, two, one, and it's audio only, Dan. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Pull Legs podcast with myself, Dan Meek. And me, Tom Hall. What's going on, bud? Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour, no. Ça va? <laughs> ça va bien, merci, ça va? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, that's good. All yeah. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> tremendous. I'm tremendous, yeah, mate. But yeah, you've been in France, and I've been in France at the same time, but we've not in the, been in the same place, have we? So We haven't, good. no. France is a big country, so yeah. Um, yeah. I was in Bergerac. You're in Paris. Yeah, it's definitely not my favourite country. It's definitely not. <laughs> okay. Reasons? I just, well, for one, Paris really fucking stinks. For one. <laughs> like, Is that because I of everyone, uh, La I swear everyone must just piss in the street here, like, constantly. Um, there goes our Paris listenership. Like, Good. Yeah, it just, no, it just smells <laughs> like people piss everywhere on the, on the street. But then not only that, Everyone smokes. Yeah, that's. And I'm that, not. That's I'm not thing, even yeah. like. That's not even me like exaggerating. Pretty much everyone smokes. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's, that's a French I, I think thing, I'm going to buy shares in French cigarette companies. Li- li- honestly, literally, it's all the all the restaurants you go to or you see, they have seat. They have seating outside and have seating inside, and like it's not that sitting outside is cooler or anything like that in these restaurants. It's just that that's where you can smoke. Yeah. Like, and, and all the restaurants are dead inside and got full of seats and everyone's just smoking and it's just horrible. Like, I think we forget in England how, obviously because of the smoking ban in public places, you forget just how bad that smell is Like when it's around constantly. I guess we were basically coming of age, like 18-ish, when that smoking ban came in, didn't it? Yeah. For, Thank God. Because I don't remember like how young we are. I don't remember being in a nightclub that where people could smoke. It was always outside at a smoking area. I don't remember that, but my sisters do. So they remember like Mm -hmm. anybody in Essex, Duke's Genesis or anybody who's been there. um, Yeah. It used to be really smoky inside. So uh, I don't remember that at all, but yeah, mate, well, we're, we're even further away from them. We normally are right. So you're normally in Bath, but Dan is actually in Paris whilst we're recording this, but the Paris internet is that pitiful. The, um, this is why we skipped a week, guys, by the way. Not my fault. I wasn't, uh, we actually pre-recorded before I went away. Didn't do that with Dan. Mm. Um, my, well, mine was last minute. My, 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 <laughs> little, my little jobs and little trips are always a bit, a bit last minute. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, more of a case of didn't know the schedule and, uh, we're now in a schedule and also the, the internet here is pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, which is really frustrating, but, yeah. but um, I, mean, I had to. I had to send. Uh, I had to send Harry, you know, the guy who helps with our YouTube stuff. I had to send him a video on via Dropbox, oh, and, it, wow. uh, and, he, and he said to me, "He's like, he's like, are you in Paris or Syria?" Thought, <laughs> it feels a bit like I'm in Syria with this fucking internet connection. Um, but yeah, that's mad. Um, it's it's a bit annoying, but it is what it is. We're here now. We're like you say, recording and can't see your beautiful I mean, face, Tom. In, I so mean, it is, it is. I mean, a few of the podcasts that I listened to did actually 
when we took a week off, also took a week off because basically just because uh, this is the time that people go away and there are people on holidays and whatever. If we're weekly, but it also we were seeking. Also, uh, gives we were secretly uh, we were secretly at a uh, podcast convention. Yeah, exactly, That's really where we're at. <laughs> Learning um, all the tips and tricks of how to do podcasts from there. <laughs> so we'd, we've learned nothing. Um, but so I think everybody, if if you didn't manage to listen, that was that week was to go back and listen to anything. I did post out on my stories about a, a load of ones that I suggested to go listen to. But maybe I'll just do that every nearly every other day and just post out a random episode go listen to that one, go listen to that. Because there are ones way back when, like Dan's astonished that we've even done 120 odd. Um, but yeah, there are there are stuff that way back, like we had our first guest on as Mr. Stephen Box was episode 20. And I'm sure everybody who's listened to this show knows who Boxy is. So go listen to episode 20. And then we, we're probably not as good as we are now, right? So, or we probably talked a little bit more fitness. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> Just maybe, maybe. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think as we've gone through the episodes, we just talk more and more shit. Um, definitely. Much. Yeah, 100%. But it's good. But it's only audio only, so I don't think you can see Dan's pretty face all the way through this. So it'll be, it'll be very tough. So if there's any weird pauses, that's because uh, we don't obviously talk on the phone very often. We literally talk in person all the time. So, yeah, yeah very odd. So it's almost like uh, like a girlfriend when you're about 14 years old and you have to talk to them on the phone, mate. Yeah. Uh, it's exactly what I'm picturing now. Yeah, it's ex- it's it's exactly like that, mate. It's exactly what I, you know, I remember. All my girlfriends they they had they had shit hair like you got, so yeah, and they couldn't and they couldn't. So yeah, pretty similar. Yeah, I can't say that my mine had the same hair as your as you. So that would be no. a very 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 questionable to be situation. Fair, I think I think most of the girls I, I spoke to when I was fourteen as well probably squatted more than you do at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well. right. Oh wow, absolute banter from the person that copied me this week so yeah i don't know what he's on about so. <laughs> brilliant all right good so we actually talk some uh talk some sense or some stuff so unfortunately when uh, we were planning to do a show i had written down that i wanted to cover this because i thought dan was just like chomping at the bit to talk about it and it was the uh the release of chris froome's diet while she's doing it was like yeah, it was summit gyro. So gyro d'Italia. The gyro Italia, yeah. Like so, is it like the second biggest bike race in the world? Yeah. Pretty fucking I good. I think it's one behind. It's behind the Tour de France. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Exactly. It's just, I mean, they're all pretty similar. They're all just fucking absolutely minging and grueling, and you have to be <laughs> insane to even attempt it. Pretty so much. I mean, it's safe to say he just did a fuckload of miles or kilometers on his bike. Yeah, uh, I don't know how, what they measure it in, um, but uh, yeah, just safe yeah. to say that they obviously need a shitload of calories and food to do that. Nah, mate, nah, just just high fats. Um, yeah, so keto, keto, but <laughs> so yeah, on so through they they released uh, stages eleven and stages nineteen. Um, what he ate in. And they drank. So uh, BBC, blah blah blah, showing deals of twenty-one stages, two stages been selected. They were decisive ones, and eleven provides comparison a less punishing day. So one was punishing, and one wasn't too punishing apparently. So what they they gave out, but uh, so a hilly one, and then like a summit finish. So if we talk through <laughs> a hilly one, that's definitely what they call it. No, that is literally <laughs> I can't show you, but that is literally what they called it. They called it hilly on the top. Giro stage hilly. eleven hilly. I'm not. Oh, I'm not God. bullshitting. No BS at all. <laughs> Absolutely crazy, right? But 
But this kind of came out because Danny Lennon did a little bit on it, didn't he? Because um, it's all about... Like, it's not even the keto guys, was it? it? People weren't saying that he was keto. It's the low carb guys that he was getting. Yeah. So basically, I where this where the reason I got so excited about this is I've got a, a client of mine who does triathlon. I think I know who, that's it, who this is. Yeah. Yeah, Jack. Jack. Yeah, Jack yeah, Pierce. Yeah, cool. Jack, he falls off uh, his bike it, a lot, right? If he, he can barely ride his bike, I didn't know how he, this is a triathlon. But anyway, yeah. um, he'll love he'll love the fact he's got a shower and some abuse. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does triathlon, and basically, you know, he he came to me a few weeks ago, and, and we, we were prepping him for this race, and and he he discussed with it was one of those where he discussed a few things with me, and he was like, oh, a few of my mates have sort of been saying that you know that you know you should go higher fat and, and lower carb, and that you just you've only got a, a certain store of carbohydrates in your body, and you're going to tap into the fat at some point. So you might as well just fat adapt. And, um, you know, for longer races, you just need fat and all this sort of stuff. And I was just like, look, and I was like, I spoke to him. I was like, look, it makes, it does make sense from, you know, from a very basic point of view when you think about it. But I was like, but to tap into the high intensity efforts that you have to do, you cannot use fat as a fuel. You literally cannot do it. And yes, you, you know, to find a baseline aerobic, you know, um, sort of speed or intensity, burning fat is obviously going to be more beneficial than burning carbs obviously but there's a certain point when you get to the anaerobic threshold you just cannot you just cannot get there without the the carbohydrates and um and he was just like oh thanks for you know setting it straight all this sort of stuff and his mates i think have just got in his ear and were chatting shit um and basically doing anything about nutrition and i think i think along the way something cropped up like oh this is what the elite guys are doing or this is what the professionals do or you know, Team Sky don't just eat loads of carbs and like they're, they're a bit more thought into it than that. Because I think maybe someone said they saw a picture of Chris Froome eating like eggs and avocados for breakfast or something like that. It was something like ridiculous. Like they saw a, a cyclist eating fats and just put two and two together and got 8,000. Um, so that's kind of where it came about. Um, and I think it's quite prevalent because he was saying to me that oh, there's a lot of bullshit in that industry, much like there's bullshit in any industry. But he was saying that in the in the triathlon world and the, the endurance athletes world, there's this huge thing on fats, you know, being the fuel and like all this sort of shit. Um, so that's why I got a bit excited when I saw it because it's just like, no. <laughs> so should I talk through the so the big one was I guess so bearing in mind. <laughs> they they posted like the morning weight and the afternoon weight basically after one of the, this was the hilly stage so the four hour one so they he lost two kilos of guess i'm guessing it's mostly like water but two liters of weight at least um oh. from his four hour his four hour ride and that wasn't his big one so the summit finish was a little bit more so that's the one that danny posted um mm. <clears throat> where he had so his breakfasts so, bearing in mind, how many carbs were you on a day when, say, you were cutting, or normally? Oh, anywhere from two to three hundred. If I was cutting, two probably. to three hundred. Cool. So basically, Chris Froome had basically two hundred grams of carb for breakfast. Um, yeah, <laughs> he had yeah. So nine hundred ninety-six calories of one hundred ninety grams of carbs, thirty-one grams of protein, thirty-two grams of fat. So, yeah, 2.7 grams per kilo he had of carbs yeah. for breakfast. Um, and that was like 200 ml of juice, 400 grams of rice, uh, egg, 
So you're free oh, whites. No, and not one... mate. Fruit juice. Oh my god. I know. Mad, right? Four pan <sighs> four pancakes with jam, and then yeah. green tea with honey. It's probably because he likes that kind of food. Oh right? mate, it's green tea though as well. Fat burning. Yeah, it's fat burning. It's... Um, and then and so that was pre obviously pre pre workout. So his workout commenced. <laughs> it was six hours two minutes. Apparently, that's, that's quite a long time. Um, that's horrific. So this was just on bike. So they didn't really talk about the rest of his uh, stuff. Uh, his posts four thirty seventy six. Did yeah, they not so, put up how many gel packs he had? He had like yeah yeah no no like... uh, during his race. So this was uh, during the yeah. race. So this was six hours worth, right? So he had fourteen go gels and two mm. Team Sky rockets. So it, which equates to surely that's cheating having rockets on your bike. I know exactly. Um, it's equates to five hundred and two grams of carbs. In this is in five hours, yeah. and then four grams of protein, four grams of fat. <laughs> so 96 so grams this is the other thing so this is the other cars. thing that's funny is um is i think jack's friends also said something along the lines of you should be eating stuff on your ride you shouldn't take the gel the the, the sugar packs are really bad they just to get a burst of energy and then like that's it and i'm like yeah, that's what that's what they're designed to do and like <laughs> some bullshit i'm sure it was I'm sure it was jack that told me it was like some bullshit like they were like oh, you've got to have a flapjack because it's got fats in it so it slows the release of the carbs like, that's what you need slow down the release of carbs when you need them yeah for your race that you're on and like when i saw that he had that he had 500 grams of liquid sugar on the bike <laughs> i was just like oh thank fuck for that because the other thing is oh the guy's got to be about 63 kilos or something oh, yeah, not, no he doesn't weigh much does he i mean pre and no. post were about 77 67 kilos about that so he's he's on i guess he's one of the, the heavier ones really because I, I thought think were, he is yeah, one of them. I think he is one of the heaviest. So that's a bit odd. Also, with that he, on the uh, post-workout one, so he his second image, uh, recovery period. So after a demanding session, it was four hundred and thirty grams of carbs, and it was Harry Jellybo sweets, Harry Haribo <laughs> jelly yeah, yeah. sweets. Yeah, four hundred. So literally, the guys had how many grams of sugar? Like. Oh, ridiculous amount like absolutely mad ridiculous but then yeah the feedback was just... like, yeah we're not saying that like obviously the people should be just taking this but it, it just shows you like you just need calories and but, you need them yeah. from quick releasing sources and <laughs> the fact is maybe he had his what comparatively compared to the gels and the haribos in the morning he had his rice just saying mm. so just saying mate so it was interesting to see wasn't it it was just yeah, oh, he's got to get he's got to get his greens in there, mate. He's not he's not that much veg, has he? So I, mean, I don't know. Don't know. If he, I don't think I don't think they know what they're doing over there at Team I mean, Sky. It's because I'll be honest. It's because some it. some of them had like pictures of them eating like salmon and avocado on toast, like on their off days, and you're like, yeah, probably because yeah. they they need fuel, and that's pretty high fat. It's pretty high carb because it's yeah, you got bread in there, whatever. It's just high calorie. If anything. And also, you just need, you just need calories at that point. Like, yeah. there's a point where on a recovery day where, yes, if if you take on a lot of fats alongside carbohydrate, your body will store the carbohydrate and it will use the fat as energy. Regardless, of if you had 800 grams of carbs or 500 grams of carbs, most of them are probably being stored. If you're having fat alongside those carbs, you know your body's going to store that 500 grams. If you had say 200 grams of fat with it, your body would probably burn most of the fat off, say, because it needs to store the carbs. If you were to have 800 grams of carbs, your body would probably burn off 300 odd grams of carbs because it needs energy to burn off and then store 500 anyway. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's this whole thing of, like you say, they've seen them eating salmon and avocado, so they assume that they're all high carb. But what they don't see them doing is shoveling in 20 bags of Haribo Tang Fastics after a race <laughs> because they need to replenish their carbs so quickly, ready for the next day. And then they see them on a rest day. Oh, Chris Froome eats salmon and avocado, so that's what I should be fucking putting in my smoothie for when I'm on the bike. It's like, no, mate. You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> it, it just, it's, it's the whole, like... How fucking taking... vile would that be? Salmon and avocado smoothie? Is that oh, a thing? Oh, mate, someone, someone would fucking vile, <laughs> wouldn't they? You know what they're like. But it's, it's just that whole thing of, you know, the assumption that because they've seen them doing it, it's, it, yeah, it's just ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. Um, but it's like, it's like you look at someone who's done keto and go, oh, they lost weight doing keto, so that must be the way everyone needs to do it. It's like, no, oh, it's just a way of it's doing another, it. Another way. Like, Chris Froome would not be where he is today if he was keto. He just wouldn't be there, like, categorically. <laughs> um, yeah, could, well, he's 1,100 grams of carbs in one day. So, yeah. yeah. I don't think. And and just to, just to finish this with like to give you some other context of when actually you know a high fat diet could be useful for endurance athletes. If you're an ultra ultra endurance athlete, and by ultra endurance I mean you're a fucking moron who does the stupid like marathon after marathon after marathon. Like Ross Edgley. Yeah, yeah. Mental <laughs> <laughs> case. There is an element to that whereby you will never ever for sustained periods of time or even really any length of time. Mm be in a position where you rely solely on carbohydrate for fuel. So yes, you could just eat loads and loads of fats and be what you might term fat adapted because you're going so fucking slow because it's an endurance event over that long that you never need the carbohydrates to go to that intense level. But on a cycling event over a course of a day or, you know, over the course of, you know, hill sprints or there's sprint finishes or there's climbs, you're going to need carbohydrate. Like, let's not beat around the bush. Um, yeah, and it's just one of those things where with Jack, we've every year we've worked together now. We've been working together a long time, actually. I'm surprised he's not really bored of me. Um, but like each year, he's got, he's done less and less training because of life and work and stress. He's eaten more and more carbs and he's got more, he's got better times each year. We've worked together. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just like, People who don't have an understanding of nutrition, understanding of human physiology, who ride a bike, claim that fats are best. They know fuck all. They know literally nothing. Just ignore them. End of discussion. End of discussion. I just wanted to check in where Ross is, actually. Oh, this is the thing with Ross. I feel really, I feel really, really bad. I said the other day to someone, I was like, I was like, what's Ross doing with this Great British Swim thing? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, he's not finished yet. <laughs> and they were like, what? And I was like, well, it was all built up to be this huge thing. And I didn't quite realise how long it was going to take. Like, oh, he's just finished the South Coast the other day. And I think he's yeah, been swimming yeah. for about five weeks. He's at least been, yeah, he's at least six weeks in. He started six weeks ago, I think. Yeah. I said, I said, I said, I was like, oh, it's been a bit of an anti-climax because I thought it was going to be like a big you know, something that was done quite quickly and all this, and didn't quite realise what he was doing. <laughs> and then I was like, he's got a long way to go. Yeah, he's, <laughs> like, he's, he's in, I think he's he's up the coast of Wales now, I think. So people, go back and listen to like episode 118 or something like 117, Ross Edgley. He, did, we didn't, he, was, he was hinting at why he was doing his swimming, wasn't he? But he wouldn't release what he was doing, obviously not on our show. But yeah, because <laughs> he hadn't released it yet, and he just turned up and was like, oh, by the way, swimming around Britain. Um, yeah, but he's doing all right. Still alive. I think, but he hasn't, I think, um, they haven't posted a story in a while, so it's a bit odd. 
No, I think it's going to be a while until we get that uh, donut burger with him. Put it that way. Yeah, I know. Jesus Christ. Still owes us that, doesn't he? Odd. Very odd, man. <laughs> but yeah, go eat all the carbs. Obviously, don't eat all that if you're trying to lose weight. Well, apparently Chris Froome does, but he's also... What was the expenditure? So, uh, six hours on a bike. Oh, the expenditure was, well, according to this, only 6,180 kg, kj, sorry. So that's kilojoules. Kilojoules. So that would be mm. divided by four, essentially, wouldn't it? 1,500. Yeah, 1,500. I'd expect yeah, it to be more yeah. than that. I don't know. I think, I think you have to remember, I guess if I think you, think you have in, to understand how efficient he is on the yeah, bike. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, well, he's probably not wasting energy in any other capacity, is he? So, and that was a summit. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's still 400 grams of carbs. I mean, it kind of adds up. If, you, if you'd imagine that's 400 grams of carbs he's burnt through, so that's 400 grams plus the 1.2 kilos of, of stored water that goes with it. Yeah. It's probably about, like you say, the terms of the weight he lost, um, it's probably about, it's pretty close, isn't it? Yeah, because he lost, plus a, couple the, of, plus lost a couple of kilos. Yeah. Lost a couple of kilos. Mate, all you have to do is cycle six hours and you lose a couple of kilos. So, don't know what people want about. I don't know. <laughs> and you can eat... Hang on, you can eat 400 grams of pure sugar, ride for six hours and lose two kilos. Yeah. Stuff dreams are made of, mate. Market that, sell it. <laughs> sell as a plan. Maybe I'll get mitt. Yeah. I'll get rich. Absolute rich. All right, um, we can end that. Sure. Kind of, uh, <laughs> richer, brilliant. You're the one living out in Paris, mate. He's not even with anybody. He just decided to go on holiday by himself. Yeah, Keep imagine that. Just decided to come out on me. <laughs> He's like, sod this. Bath's, bath's not pretty enough. I need to go to Paris. Um, yeah. but yeah I've been to Paris a lot but I don't, yeah, it's, it's a nice place I preferred like rural France to uh, Paris I guess because I live in London I'm, it's like great alright I'm not going to rush back I'll be honest I, I think having been here I much prefer London 100% yeah same less, fr- um, less French people yeah. well yeah for that reason alone mm. um, but no even like just the the roads are nicer the people are nicer it's not as busy uh, it's just busy here. Like, People are nicer. I used to th- in London. I used to think, yeah, they are. <laughs> I used to think, I used to think London was um, was was busy. It's nowhere near as busy as as Paris. No. And then on the next stage, it's like New York. It's just like. Oh right, I've never had anywhere to go, have I? Really? It's just all these people rushing around. Very odd. Mm. All right, mate. So Dan actually copied one of my exercises that I posted on Instagram, but I've also had a bit of an Instagram hiatus that I could not be asked for about a week, um, but it was good. I was I was ill, so that was probably why, and I didn't really want to post pictures of myself ill, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm back out now, but yeah, so I did some, uh, basically it was a barbell kind of assisted pistol squat. Um, mm. I was trying to turn it into some sort of, but then I realized it can't really be a sissy squat, really. Or single leg sissy squat, does that exist? It definitely exists, but it'd be, it'd be quite hard to do. I might try it, but we don't have a sissy squat machine, so interesting to see. It's as, it's as good as, anyway. You don't it's even need the machine, right? sissy squat so, machine. I think it's, just, yeah. it's, it's from doing, having done a sissy squat and having the machine available, this is just as good. Like, I don't think there's a need to yeah. worry about it. So, yeah, what we talk about, because uh, Dan just likes copying my uh, functional movements. Mm. yeah because he's such a bodybuilder um but it's points of contact because i think some people did ask me why i was just why didn't i just knock out some pistol squats instead and i was like that's beside the point um and yes i can do them before i get trolled (laughs) i knew that was gonna come but 
why would I be holding on to the side and helping myself balance and kind of going through that motion? So I was definitely directly trying to get a load of tension in my quad and trying to limit as much as possible hip flexion. So me bending forward. And as you know, in a pistol squat, when you go right to the floor, you're your basically you have to throw your weight forward because that's where you're you need anterior load to stay stable otherwise you're just gonna fall on your ass okay so i had the assist in front of me where like dan said to me earlier he was just like you just need to put like a finger on it or whatever as little contact as possible you're not pulling yourself up but you're truly trying to squeeze your quad so it was like maximal knee flexion and then as minimal hip flexion as possible is what i was trying to get so the reverse of like a, a deadlift essentially um but it was good. What did you make of it? I thought it was an interesting exercise. I th- really, really liked it. Really liked it. Um, I think, I think I've I've done like single leg box squats before, and obviously they're difficult yeah, yeah. Uh, in a, in a mm. different way. Um, so yeah, for for my client, we, like we had to focus a lot on on quad movements, um, putting a lot more volume through quads, and less a little bit less through hamstrings, and also actually one of the things we're having to do at the moment is reduce actual loading a little bit. So yep. I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, you know, it's something, nothing I can't handle. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and, um, and like, obviously we've been going for, obviously been training for the last few weeks and things have been fine. And I just saw that, that you, what you did. And I was like, wow, that is so simple. Um, can do it anywhere. Plus also the, the guy I train quite likes, functional movements and like wants to be strong for life and all this sort of shit but, yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I, joke, I, jo- I joke with them all the time about it I'm like it doesn't exist blah 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 but anyway so from that point of view as well it kind of ticks that box of it's not a bodybuilding movement but I tell yeah. you what you do 15 each leg on them and you it's like being on leg press it's pretty tough oh, um, so awesome. I also yeah. made sure that he kept tension on at the top so he didn't just stand up yeah um, it's because I have to do that otherwise it annoys me um, <laughs> so yeah it kind of went through it and and obviously, the way that you obviously hold your finger, or you put a finger to balance, or use a you know one or two fingers, it means that the first set or first couple of sets you can make as hard as possible, and then when you start fatiguing, you can just help yourself a little bit more. So, like on a leg press, you'd have to obviously take the weight off, or you know you wouldn't maybe get as much range. Whereas with this, you're kind of like self-selecting how much help and assistance you're getting. So at the start of the, the set, you can give a little bit less and then towards the end, get, give a little bit more weight where needed to help you complete the movement. So I really, if your client or if you are aware enough of being able to push yourself, but then also know your limits, it's really, really good. Um, but I think it, I honestly, like when I saw you doing it, I thought to myself, like if I was PTing again, that would be a fucking staple, mate. Cause that's easy. You don't need any equipment. Don't you don't need, need any room. Yeah. it's literally you need a wall to hold on to and like it, it really was tough especially even as like a precursor to going to do squats or you know uh, uh, an exercise to do before maybe bulgarians or something just to really get that that sort of um that sort of single limb fired up um yeah i really liked it but it's just safe right pretty safe so. it's pretty safe yeah because you can it's I guess people like looking at imbalances as well, but probably more because obviously you're going to see a, an amount of knee valgus happening on a single limb. Um, you can try and control that as much as possible. I was really, obviously I've had issues in my left hip over the last year. So I was really, oh, really, really yeah, I've never mentioned, mentioned it, it, but um, I was really trying to control my uh, my left knee and trying to just track it over my, over my toes. I know um, I was just trying to track it over that quite a lot so but i guess the point we're getting at and it's something that we've i think 
I've stressed before when I teach is the point of contact. So that finger, that little touch to the wall, that the reason I was hanging onto a barbell, I wasn't shifting all my weight for it. I wasn't leaning on it. I'm just having it as a point of contact. So if you were to stand next to the wall now and just hold it, just press into it, um, you feel more stable because you've got a point of contact. You're something called irradiation of energy into the wall. So you're pushing. So you know the kind of like science thing is pushing back as much as you're pushing into it. So you've got that kind of ground force. Is it ground force reaction? Reaction force? Mm. Reactionary force? Ground force? Something like that. Uh, I haven't done physics in a while, mate. Um, but yeah, I don't understand the premise of chucking. So the two... Move, I guess that isn't really a movement that people throw in very often, like a, a pistol squat. Just go, yeah, come on, let's try pistol squats. Because I'm going to guarantee that 99.9% of the population won't be able to do one. Um, but it's the the one bugbear is, I guess, and you, you mentioned it, was the uh, single leg RDL, where mm. it's thrown in. Because it's a cool kind of thing to do. It's It falls in the category of corrective um, it's a single limb exercise. You get to learn your hinge pattern quite well. You get to stabilize, but the stabilization thing happens way too soon and way too com- in too much complexity, like already from the start and from the get go. So people doing a, I didn't realize a body weight one wouldn't be too tough, hopefully, but you still need to know the movement pattern and being able to weight shift slightly. Um, but as soon as you because you're taking, if you're going for a hinge and you've got two legs on the floor, you go for your hinge, you've got two points of contact, and then suddenly you take 50% of your contact away from the floor, why not just let them have, actually, all right, my, my hand is smaller than my foot, so in terms of like surface area, that's a better point of contact. So I've still decreased the point of contact, but now I'm going to look at what's going to happen, and then you can decrease how much load you're pushing through, the wall or whatever. Obviously, that... Is a certain amount of trust with your client, but you can explain that to them, hopefully. And you'd be like, all right, I just want you to have one finger on it. And that's that's going to be where you're contacting. And like what you said before, mate, was learning a movement pattern, learning what muscle group, because with bodybuilding, it's big. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's, one, it's just one of those things where I just think it's... People are so like... hard. want to be hardcore, right? And like doing a single leg RDL. Want to be hardcore. It's kind of like, oh... Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, it hits all your stabilizers and you have to balance on one leg. It's and the stabilizer to... muscles, Dan. Sorry. Oh, I've, my God. Uh, it's like, uh, hang on a minute. I'd rather they're actually using their hamstring and their glute properly first um, and getting them strong. And like, yeah, having a finger on a wall, if that makes all the difference and it means that they can lift <laughs> a 20, 22 kilo dumbbell when they do it rather than trying to use an eight kilo and fucking falling all over the place. Like, I don't understand the logic behind forcing someone to go through that over and over and over again yeah, it, when it, actually you can make it a lot easier and they learn the skill quicker trust me you, skill, really. you will learn you will learn the skill way more quicker the point of contact if you've had somebody that's struggling with rdls or that car or a single limb exercise or that you're on single stance or whatever give them that point of contact stick with it for about six weeks and then they'll be so much better when you take it away because they'll realize oh shit, that's the muscle group I'm really, really meant to be using or squeezing on. And we know that as trainers where we're trying to squeeze and tense up and stop anti-rotate your pelvis or all this stuff. But we've got to try and coach that into somebody. I just think it's a really useful external cue to use and it just just shuts down a lot of stuff that can go wrong. Um, 
also with an IDL, it's just like hip shifting, going wayward, open out, open out your pelvis. Don't matter where that back foot's going, apparently. So, yeah, that annoys yeah, me. So I, just, give it. I just think it's like you see, you see a lot of people as well when they're trying to balance that, 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 that leg that's moving tilts out to the side it moves around all over the place it like shoots off in a totally different angle and like <laughs> yeah. and it's just like how many good quality reps are you getting out of that it's just ridiculous that's a good point actually chris beersley uh, that wasn't really about quality reps but he posted something i don't know it was up up today somebody posted something about quality reps and muscle percentage and um, like so there could be if it's like not effort or you're not squint tensing the muscle maybe reps of actually like hypertrophic effect is like one to five and if you're not actually trying hard enough it has literally no hypertrophic effect at all um which kind of relates into that if it doesn't really feel like it's working hard and you're just losing balance the whole time it's not actually muscle fatigue then guess what <sighs> muscle ain't going to be actually stressed and you're not going to get any stimulus into the muscle group that you're trying to use so what's the point so we might as well give them that point of contact um let them stabilize themselves believe me the stabilizer muscles will be on and they'll be able to use the muscles that they're going to be using be amazing mate we'll all be fucking superheroes and we'll get as many injuries it'd be great and we won't have to you can do it on a bosu ball if you do it on a bosu ball and then hold on to the side it is easier don't you think then? Really? Yeah. It is, yeah. I don't. I, 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 think, I assume it must be me, but having never bothered going on a boat <laughs> ever in my life, I, uh, I don't know. That's I don't just, know. One can only assume. I mean, that's just proof. If you make something incredibly unstable and then touch the side, it's, it's easier. <laughs> anyway, mate, that's enough sense. That's enough sense, mate. So I thought, since we've both been in, we've both been in France. That was incredibly posh when I just said that. We've both been in France. Um, Best French food. We got to come with, uh, I guess, top three, top five. What are we talking, Dan? Um, I think three's all right, isn't it? <laughs> wow, um, somebody has not been having French food. <laughs> no, well, I have had a bit, but like, so, so firstly, controversy, obviously. Um, foie gras. I don't like the concept of it, but it tastes good. Like, um, that's I am 100% in agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, I, I don't, it, I don't like the, I hate the, the me. fact of the, is it like they basically funnel a load of like stuff into geese and then they do force feed geese, don't they? And they can yeah. basically make them obese and really fat and ill and then they yeah. kill them and then they, and then they obviously, yeah. but, uh, uh, it's just it's just not a nice thing and i don't like supporting it um so but for that reason i did not did not buy any no. i didn't buy any but i've had some since i've been here but i won't buy any to take home that's no, my thing 100%. i've had it once and that's it that's good um i don't need it anymore i tried it um but the the thing for me with, with france is that i haven't actually eaten now a huge amount i'll be honest for, for one um there's a lot in Paris, by the way, a lot, and I mean a lot, a lot, a lot, of Japanese places for food. Like, so many. Um, and the guy and we really like Japanese food, so we've actually been having a lot of Japanese food. Um, Fair enough. So, <laughs> French food hasn't really been on the agenda, to be honest. But, that being said, you can't move in Paris for, for bakeries. Uh, and, I mean, is there anything better than a French baguette with french butter at room temperature 
like fucking incredible. I mean, just incredible. It's unreal, isn't it? When you I go into just, the, I could just get the lingerie that. in the morning. Does somebody get it for you in the morning? And then no, man, I can they... go out and get it myself. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like you, mate. You know what I mean? I've got a butler. No. <laughs> um, and then and they pour is brioche like French toast is oh, just a different level so, altogether. Yeah, I think like, the bread over here is just the boulangerie. The bread is absolutely incredible. I think yeah, if you're looking at like brioche, French stick, anything like that, the sourdough is great. It's it's so it's, it's so much better than ours. It's unreal. Some of the French stuff. So the brioche is incredible. I I will quite happily just eat a loaf of brioche. Just yeah, easy. Yeah, I just think it's one of those things where it's like yeah, again, like I don't know what Chris Room's doing. Like I'd be having fucking <laughs> French baguette butter on mate. Right, take screw your flipping pancakes and jam. Yeah, I'd be having brioche and jam. Um, yeah, I think brioche. Give me a, a loaf of brioche and a and a jar of jam or a French baguette and and room temperature French butter. Either of those for me every day for breakfast. I'm done. I'm fat. I reckon. I do that. <laughs> you didn't dabble into any, any kind of uh, absolute cliches of uh, like snails and frogs' legs and that kind of stuff. No, we've not been out. We've not really not been out to anywhere that's kind of like done it. There's not really like a huge thing here. Like it's all a bit more modern in, in Paris, a bit more yeah. Western, should we say? I suppose. But um, I haven't seen any places that you know selling it, or I haven't even seen how many people eating it actually. To be honest, like you know, because obviously you can you walk past some of these restaurants and they're all eating out. Um, that's the other thing about Paris as well, France in general. They eat out a lot. They do, don't they? Like, yeah. There's a lot of restaurants and a lot of cafes, like more than there is in London. Like on every street, there's more restaurants, more cafes, and everything like that. And they're all full, pretty much all full with people. Really weird. Pretty good. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I think, but I think for them, the, the reason. So, so the, my client, we were talking about, you know, you know, their food and you know what they eat uh, and why they aren't fat as a nation. And what? Why? Because there's not going to be that many fat people around. And he's like, but you know, all the, all the, you know, all the data, all the things you look at suggest that they should be, you know, brioche, bread, butter, you know, all these things that they love. Um, and I was like, because I think with them, food and meals out are such a social thing that they actually don't eat huge amounts. They kind of recognise right. when they're full. Um, and I think they're very good at that. They kind of recognise when they've eaten enough. And they, they also they also have their little nap as well, so they recover very well. And yeah, uh, those meals tend to last like a fucking long time. They spread yeah. those guys out. Then you think they're consistent, but you walk back like four hours later. It's the same crowd that are at that restaurant. Just yeah, yeah. And like he was like, <laughs> and he said to me, he's like, oh, how are they not so fat because they eat croissants? And I was like, yeah, but I think you'll find that they have a coffee which is an espresso or a black one and a croissant for breakfast. And that's it. Like yeah. they're not greedy pigs like they are in England where you have four. <laughs> like they just have one. <laughs> like it's just very normal here to go out for breakfast. You don't eat breakfast at home. A lot of them eat breakfast in, you know, in a cafe and you see them there with an espresso and a croissant and that's all they have. And they then go. Whereas in England, it's like, you've got to have, you know, a huge fucking bowl of cereal plus your yogurt, plus your eggs, plus your orange juice and all that. And Jeez. whereas here it's a bit more of a relaxed thing. Um, it's they like, don't it's like you out. read my mind. Like I've been having cocoa pops and my yogurt at the moment. It's great. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I think we've got to go. So, boulangerie baguette, brioche. Yeah. Um, what I was in the Bergerac region, and they're quite famous for duck, and the duck was incredible. So, some sort of duck, uh, yeah, yeah, duck 
Frenchy duck. I'm not too sure what it was. It was good though. It was uh, nicely smoked. It was it was nice. So, but and they have. I realise it's not Italy ice cream, but they do have good ice cream. Have you like ice creamed it up in Paris? No, not had any ice cream. Wow, Jesus Christ, mate, that's crazy. You have you I not know. been in a supermarket as well? Yeah, they they're like we went to. I guess what is the. Uh, because we didn't stay in a hotel, we stayed in like a separate like uh, chateau thing. But so we had to go self like self cater. But we went to I can't remember what it's called. Um, I think it was C. But I think it was a massive like car four, and they're basically the size of um, yeah. the American huge ones. And yeah, you go in there. The ice creams are absolutely incredible. So stuff that I you you know what they are, but you're like, do they have ice creams? Like Toblerone have ice cream didn't even know mm. that. it's all that kind of stuff and you're like i saw really? um i saw ben and jerry's flavor as well in the supermarket vanilla pecan blondie oh my god it sounded incredible and i was like why the fuck i didn't understand over the yeah, river yeah, yeah, over yeah, the I, fucking water there can't be able to get it <laughs> i was like why is all this stuff not in not in our place like these would be people would be laughing this up it was, there we are. They had like they had way better range of ice cream than we did, and a bigger like range of yogurt. Not as good a range of crisps. They're pretty sure. However, that. as well, Tom, the other thing as well that they do suck at over here is cereal. Is what? Not good cereal. Cereal. Not good cereal. Not good cereal. No good cereals. Really? Yeah. There's no good cereal choices over I... here. They're just like well, nothing that you couldn't get at home. You know, like Crave was there, but it was just like you can get at home, but. The selection of cereals here in the supermarkets isn't, it's not that great. It's not like America, obviously, you know. Like I thought it was pretty good. I swear I sent one to you. Oh, definitely, like, screenshotted it to you because it was pretty, it was pretty good, I thought. I must have done because there was, like, I guess it was stuff that you can get. I guess you can, stuff it was you can get over here, though. Um, I was expect. I just thought it might be different, but it was just, it's like, you can tell it was the same packaging, the same cereal. Just in French. Yeah, it was their versions of stuff, I guess. Right. So that's all right. We can have it there. So I guess it's just fucking eat baguettes, mate. Just go all out on that. So it's amazing. Literally. <laughs> mate, incredible. Oh, incredible. All right. Glad to be back, in fact, mate. In um, fact, tomorrow, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a baguette tomorrow for lunch. Just a baguette and butter. <laughs> just a baguette. Just fill it, with, fill it with some cheese. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Cheese. Are you a cheese man? I'm not a huge on cheese, really. <laughs> so, not French cheese. French cheese. I I tend to go more hard cheese than like soft cheese. I've just like pff, doesn't really agree with me. I swear. Also, fuck it stinks. But I drink drink yep. a lot of wine, and it was unbelievable. We stayed in like a kind of a semi sweet sweet wine re- like region, so a Montbilziac mm. region. It was amazing, mate. You absolutely loved it. I'm sure all your drinking habits. So. Mm. <laughs> It's actually all right, but hey, my my chicken habit over here has been well and truly fulfilled because they got iced tea. And I fucking uh, love iced yeah, tea. Yeah, iced tea, iced tea, and orangina, mate. Orangina, orangina, I can take a leave. But big. over here, they've got they've got obviously in England, you can still get you can still get lemon and peach in England if you look hard enough. But over here, they have mango, they have raspberry, they even had a, a green tea that was cucumber and mint, which was really good. Oh, no. Um can't believe you yeah, just said that. They have, you can they take or leave have, Orangina. They also have... Yeah, but I think Fanta's nicer, mate. So nah, no, nah, you're, you're wrong. Huge. You're wrong. No. Oh, am I wrong? Okay, I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah, Orangina's all right, but it's not... 
it's just nothing special. Like, there's nothing different about Orangina that's not that you couldn't get back home with Fanta. But back home, iced tea is not something that is done particularly well or is that popular. Whereas over here, it's a huge one. Like over here, you go to McDonald's, you can get it from the tap. Like you can get it from the, you know, from a, the um, dispenser, like you would Coke or Sprite or whatever. That's that's when you know you've made it as iced tea. It's <laughs> fucking a McDonald's. Fair play, mate. So what's uh, what's in plan for the rest of the trip? Uh, well, tomorrow's a rest day. I'm not training tomorrow, but we're going for French toast at the best place that does French toast in Paris. So that sounds good. Uh, and then I think the day after that, I'm going to go to the place that was voted the best croissant of 2018 in Paris. I'm going to go and find that. Decent. Um, and then I'm back Saturday. Uh, Saturday, I'm back. Yeah, Saturday night. Lovely. You know, so obviously, uh, ready to go home now. <laughs> it's coming home, guys. It's coming home. That bite. That- it's coming, it's coming home, guys. Don't worry. Dan, Dan's coming home. Unfortunately, uh, we, we missed the whole thing with the World Cup. So this is our post-World Cup show. England lost um, in the semi-final, which is the first one both myself and Dan have ever seen. So I'm sure you didn't see it when you were just born in 80. 80- no, no. no, I didn't. Mate. Of course, you don't remember it. So we were. that's the first ever one. So it was good. I'm hoping you watched Probably the last it. as well. Probably. <laughs> Probably the last for a while, right? So it doesn't matter. I did, mate, but obviously over here, it was like, it, uh, it was a bit more, like, so I was more... in my hotel room watching it because going out, I didn't really come to be bothered. Yeah. Um, and we played, uh, we played them the day after. Yeah, France the, had played, obviously France, France had played, played and that was a huge party because they got through semi-final. Everyone was really... And then I was watching the hotel room and all the French people outside were cheering when Croatia scored. <laughs> they were like, they obviously hit them as a hit. But I was just a bit like, yeah. oh, for fuck's sake. And then obviously with the final that was going on was over here and they were mad. Like riots in the street and like people climbing all over statues and it was just, it was a bit mental. Like, you know, people give English football fans a bad a bad rap for, you know, being over the top and obviously you saw them climbing on, on the cars and crushing the wall and stuff in the news. It was, it was exactly the same, if not worse. Obviously they won the World Cup, but it was just frightening. You like, know what was worse though, mate? Really was, bad. Because my flight home was during the England-Sweden game. And um, so our flight was delayed by 90 minutes. And guess why? Literally because <laughs> nobody had turned up for work in Stansted Airport. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Is that they were like, uh, yeah, Stansted Airport is severely understaffed. <laughs> and they were like, I wonder why. Jesus Christ. Same time. It was mad. Oh, yeah, people would rather do that. Um, yeah, let's call it there, man. Um, we'll definitely be back on our weekly shows. Um, i got a couple of guests lined up as well, so we should crack on with those guys as well. Maybe Dan will join us for that. I don't know. He might be back for it. Um, but, yeah, obviously... If Maybe. this was your first show listening to us, then you've got like 120 odd to list, go back and listen to. So, absolute gold, right? Yeah, easy. Yeah, go back and listen to them. <laughs> no, um, but thanks a lot for listening, and I guess we'll catch you next week. See you later, guys. <laughs>